for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. I just want to ask you this. What's your plan for finding elk? Well, for most of us, it's pretty basic. Hunt the bugles and find the bulls, right? Plan numero uno. Don't we all love when the bulls are cranking and letting us know right where they are? But what if you're not hearing bugles? What do you do then? Where do you start? How do you start? For that matter, how is it where people know to look for elk in the first place? On today's show, we're starting a series called Finding Elk from Day One of the Hunt. The series will include finding and locating strategies, steps to take, where to look, and how to utilize your hunting buddies as resources. Things that you can remember, use, and no matter what elk you're looking for or where you're hunting. We're about to share our experiences and what we have learned as we answer questions and give our views on finding elk during a hunt. This, y'all, these are Elk Bros' keys to the game. That discussion, along with our Elk Bros' shout-outs. So, my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and Elk Hunting coach, Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas, and from Katy, Texas. That's right, Luis Gonzalez, a member right. of the Venezuelan Mafia. No, 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 no. You can house. quit that member crap now. <laughs> Banano's not here, and he won't and even know that that was mentioned because he doesn't listen to the podcast anyway <laughs> and straight up our elk hunting coaches are in the house from cimarron new mexico 
Leroy the Ninja Chavez and WWJGD. What would Joe Gillia do? They are all in the house. What's happening, fellas? What's up, so, brothers? I, I had uh, somebody that said, that sent me an email today. Said, uh, "How did Chab become a ninja?" <laughs> it took a long what. time. What, man. Very Actually, I, I think long. he was born a ninja, man. Oh, or a headband next next week. <laughs> yeah, long. man. Long in the TV He's got the David Carradine glasses on, man. He just needs the bandana. <laughs> oh, he's just he's just wearing the glasses to hide the tears, man. So, uh, mm. uh, New Mexico <laughs> draw came out today, and. Uh, it was not good to the bros. For all those people that think that we've had it uh, easy all these years, it was not kind to us this year, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Straight I, punch I, in the gut. I'm wearing black. One out of the six, you know, um, we're looking to see what can happen for a couple of fellows, possibly with some other types of things to happen, but uh was not good, man. Uh, Did I have deer tag. Yeah, we got some deer tags. Yeah, we got some deer tags. Yeah. So that'll be happening out of there. I got one. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, uh, it's it's a pretty sad, sad day for the elk bros, man. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, Joe. Oh, Crimea River. My yeah. gosh, what's up with you guys? Ah, look what is in the house. Oh, my gosh. The legend himself, R.C. Knox, is in the house, people. Look at the guy sitting there wearing my hat. Oh, my gosh. Hey, Mr. Knox, pleasure to meet you, sir. I've heard terrible things about you. They're all true. And they're all true. Uh, especially if Big O told them, I promise you. Quite, quite an honor, sir. Oh, quite my an gosh, Joe. Uh, you didn't tell me he's going to have – Joe does this to me all the time, R.C. He doesn't tell me when he's going to have the celebrities on because I get all pity and everything. You know, he knows I'll, I'll act a fool and get off unleashed and everything. So good to see you, brother. How you doing, man? I'm good. I am That's really so cool, good. buddy. Look good. Fantastic. You guys. We're doing fantastic, brother. Just, you know, uh, another day, another dollar out here in the oil field. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I, I told you the other day, man, I, I went and talked to RC and uh, he was like, he got so excited about Elk Bros and he's like, man, what do I got to do? I, you know, uh, he's complete now. Yeah. He's like, dude, I want to make sure I get involved with you guys. And I thought, man, we got to get him jump on with us this time. And cause I thought really tonight and some of the stuff we're talking about is going to have a lot of value, especially for somebody for RC and, you know, for those people you've heard us talk about Carl and you've heard a lot about RC. In fact, I, th I think I told you, man, you got a lot to live up to. The way I've got, I've gotten to hunt with some unbelievable guys in my day, but I'm telling you, I cherished every moment I got to hunt with Carl Gamage and RC Knox because these guys were legends, man. And they still are. I mean, RC is one of the best elk hunters I've ever hunted with, not to mention one of the best men I've ever been around. So, so cool to have you on with us, brother. And like I, I've told people this, there would be no elk bros without Carl Gamage and RC Knox. So, yeah. I mean, this has come full circle, RC. Welcome. And it's welcome perfect that Manano's not here because you didn't need to meet Manano. <laughs> yeah. Right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all yeah, Venezuelan brothers, man, you love these guys. They're, oh, they're, yeah. Um, that's for sure. I've been watching all the podcasts and all this stuff, and it's just like, wow, these guys, they're awesome. 
Hey, fantastic. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah. Likewise. Looking good, uh, RC. Looking good, RC. Oh, so are you, bud. My oh. gosh, you scared the heck out of us. Well, yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy year. Yeah. It has been. The having him back up on the mountain with us there at the end of elk season was for you know end of our hunt was just a coup de gras for us. I mean, it was so rough on us, RC, you know, with all the snow and just the different curveballs that were thrown thrown at us. I love that, man. You know, it, we uh we made it happen though, man. And Chav pushed us the whole time. Him and him and Carl. You know, every time I'm up in the woods, I find a horseshoe, and you know who that reminds me of. So, oh um, yeah, pretty cool, man. Beto Beto didn't didn't really um, suffer through the cold too much because he had this beautiful pink blanket with him that protected him at all times. Yeah, as you guys could probably did. see on the videos. Yeah. So I think I seen Gilbert's pretty little checkered pink. And that's the one. Yeah, he, that's that's the, all, yeah. <laughs> my grandma made me that. I'll slap yeah. you in the mouth. You talk about my blanket now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah, you, you, and if it if it came down to a place to hunt, you'd slap your grandma, right? Huh? Exactly. Yeah, I done told I done told Joe that. He told me he found him a place to hunt. This, you know, somebody like his mama. I'm like, well, I, I slap my mama in the mouth for a place to hunt. Let's go. Oh <laughs> yeah, I know better, man. You just got done dealing with uh, a, with a birthday party not too long ago, right? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Awesome, man. No, I thought this would be a great surprise, man. And like I said the other day, I, uh, it's so cool to see RC so excited about the things that were going on with the crew. And I wanted him to come in and join us and for an evening and uh, be part of this and be part of what we do oh, and want to look at getting him involved with us in the future here. And, and I, I couldn't be happier, man. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's guided the who's who's of elk hunting in the world, celebrities and royalty and, I mean, uh, you know, it's just so cool to have him sitting next to you, Joe. I'd be giddy as all oh, get out, man. I mean, you know, <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no. He didn't uh, guide Jeff Foxworthy, bro. I, thought huh? he said, I didn't I say Jeff Foxworthy. People and, and the royalty, man. That's the only royalty and famous people. Oh, no, he's talking about, he's talking potentially me. If oh, he's talking royalty. <laughs> oh, no, man. I mean, there's yeah, some other, I, I didn't mention any names because I, you know, I was trying to keep his stuff sacred, Joe. Here you start going off, running off at the mouth again, you know. <laughs> well, speaking of, you know, I thought it was kind of cool because uh, Chab and I have had RC and Carl and I have been hunting buddies and and I just want to throw this out there that our hunting buddy site is up. Uh, we have people already joining up and throwing profiles on there. I see people from New York, East Coast, West Coast, North, South. Man, I see hunters from all cool. over joining up on that. It's really cool to see that. And uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see more people get did, in there and start finding. Did you this. delete my profile, Joe? Well, your profile got deleted, bro. Because... What, what do you mean? Just because it was called the Mafia Leader? What the he heck, man? Deleted, he deleted mine, too, man. See, I was I, looking for a budette. I, I mean, really, dude? This is how I get treated. I mean, it's just that. So, this is like a dictatorship. I feel like I'm back in Venezuela now. <laughs> I sent Joe the picture of them, the ones that he told me I needed to hunt with and everything. I hope he showed RC that. Oh, no, man. We, we, we edited those photos out quick, bro. Man, so. <laughs> man. I can't ever have no oh, fun. In fact, we had a whole bunch of um, 
of our listeners out there, guys that jumped at the chance to help out. They went and tested it for us for a whole day before we went live. They put their profiles on. RC jumped on there, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah. we had people that added profiles, and, and they tested the site out to find the little kink, what was going on. We did find that we had an issue with Yahoo Mail, where Yahoo is rejecting our emails from that. So huh. um, we know, that, and at first, Google was throwing it into spam. We got that fixed, so that's no longer happened. So right now, Gmail is the best a- email to deal with with that account right there and we're trying to get over the hump with the yahoo thing uh luckily there's very and i'm sorry if you guys have yahoo mail but there's fewer people with yahoo than there is with gmail and i'm not sure why that is but and there just, is. just create an account in gmail and get get yeah, on board yeah it's easy to do email man and that that way you'll have your hunting gmail account is that's what right be, but uh, and, and it's kind of neat. Uh, they helped us do that. They found some kinks. We fixed some of the stuff that's going on in there. And so what I did was because, you know, all of everybody did that. I just told everybody, I'm going to delete all. I'm going to make sure that everything's cleaned out before we go live. And so, yes, I had to dump out the mafia you know, profile out of there. <laughs> so, I'm telling you, man, it's just like, yeah, it's just, yeah. But we got to go create a new one. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to spam it now called the Mafia Leader 1, the Mafia Leader 2. That way there's like 100 Mafia Leaders and then Monano can get the 110 or something I, like I that. I didn't want you to see you didn't have any likes. You know, that is that's a crowd, man. Rough crowd, very <laughs> crowd. Uh, well, guys, y'all know what time it is. It's new to the show. These are just shout outs to a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. And today's number one listening city is home to Granite Peak Ski Area. Y'all, this is the highest location the highest ski area in wisconsin and one of the oldest ski slopes in north america it opened back in 1937 and back then they were i think they had just like started laminated wood skis at that time man so this is all pre-fiberglass you know for all the snowboard and everything like that 1937 is actually that time in 1936 was when i think the first uh chairlifts were happening which created a division between cross-country skiing and downhill skiing. That's what Joe, you still got your skis from then, don't you? <laughs> man, you were in my mind, Beto. I was going to throw a bad joke like that, too. And I was like, man, I'm just waiting for the opportunity. And dang, you're just on point today. I was finding a place to go skis. I just found it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> and it is a center of cultivation in Vincent and known for its red granite and home to the Badger State Games and the beer and uh, look, this is a festival after my own heart, right? No here. doubt. The beer and bacon festival. Heck yeah. Right? <laughs> we could do that. It also yeah. has one of the oldest, and then they went from the beer and bacon festival <laughs> to one of the oldest curling clubs in the U.S. in Wausau, Wisconsin. <laughs> All right, man. So, okay. Wausau. So here comes a coaching moment, bro. Uh oh. What is curling club? Oh, come on, man. Yeah. You don't know. It's in the Olympics. <laughs> Yeah. Curling's yeah, in the Olympics. Guys that are rubbing the ice. Oh, okay. Okay. I see. I see. I know. I know. I know what you're talking. I just didn't yeah. know it was called curling. They couldn't do it down there in Venezuela. It'd melt. 
<laughs> it's, yeah, you'd have to yeah. do water bowling. There's no something. way to keep that eyes there uh, for long, man. Exactly. The only curling they do down there is with 16 ounces. That's about yeah, it. Yeah, buddy. 16, 20 ounce curls. That's a Texas curl. That's right. Yeah. No, I saw Wisconsin. Yeah, buddy, man. We're, hey, love to have you guys. And, and we're just having fun here. I hope you guys, uh, we, we love the fact that you guys are our top listener. It's yes. awesome. Uh, and, uh, you know, Man, Joe, we have a whole bunch of those cheeseheads showing up every week, man. Every week, I mean, man. seriously, the Wisconsin people are showing out every week, Joe. And you go into the hills. You go in the hills of the Western Elk season, start looking at license plates. Yeah, right? Illinois, Wisconsin. Yes, sir. Lots yeah. of them. There we go. For sure. Well, our next top listening city is located 11 miles from central Seattle and once produced the B-29 Super Fortress during World War II. And it is fi- its final assembly point for the Boeing 737 family of commercial airplanes. If you visit, you have to go to one of the coolest public libraries. This city's public library was built on a concrete and wood truss joints, creating a stunning 80-foot central span directly over the Cedar River in active salmon habitat. In none other than Renton, Washington. Renton, Washington. Washington in the house again. But Man, how West Coast showing out, Joe. How cool you ought to see this library. You can go in this library, sit down to read, and you are looking over the river. Salmon in the river. Wow. Right? I mean, where where were these libraries when I was a kid? I might have read a book or two. I've been fishing <laughs> for salmon. <laughs> I'd rather be fishing. Yeah, I was gonna say I'd rather be fishing than reading a book. They've been distracted. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Up next, Jeff. Okay, this city is a suburb of Atlanta. This city's name is an amalgamation of two early settlers, N.M. Reed and Annie Alford. The main area attraction include Stone Mountain Park, which features laser shows, 4D theaters, scenic railroad, and the Summit Skyride. The Skyride takes you to the summit where you can view nine-story sized carvings of historic confederate icons and that's in redden georgia redden georgia redden georgia reed and annie reed redden Mm -hmm. is that redden anybody redden georgia redden Uh, i i would say it that's that's how i'd say it from the south i'd just say redden that's all exactly redden or redan so i'm just trying to figure you know I wasn't sure if that word meant a bad thing, amalgamation. I mean, if somebody said that <laughs> amalgamation, it's, it's yeah, it's uh, a matter of fact, it's using uh, dentistry to it's the paste that they put in the teeth to uh, seal the, the cavities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, yeah, well, I can see the RE from Reed and the AN from yeah, Andy. the first two letters of each name. I right. tell you, somebody come right. tell me I was an amalgamation. I'd have been offended. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you, you look like an amalgamation, though. <laughs> hey, I'm a blend of my mother and my father. Yeah, you, you do look like I'm an amalgamation, and not. And let's not talk about Manano. It's just it's, it's not got there. Yeah. But, <laughs> hey, RC, welcome, man. I mean, hey, thank you. you thank know? you. Yeah. You're going to get it full force with all yeah, of this, man. It's great. It's great. All right. So this city is part of the Kansas City Metro and lies on the northern edge of 
the Osage Plains near the Kansas River. It was formerly the world headquarters of Sprint before the company merged with T-Mobile in 2020. It was awarded best city to raise a family and one of the most popular cities for millennials in 2018. None other than Overland Park, Kansas. Kansas. Been there many times. I lived there for almost two years when I was a kid. Did? Time I was seven years old to the time I was ten. Yeah, oh, my dad. Cool. My dad at the time was working as a traveling sign salesman, and he got moved to Overland Park, Kansas, and we lived right there. Man, it snowed a lot there. I remember we had all kinds of orchard trees in our yard too. We had cherry trees and pear trees and all kinds of stuff. I think I was in the fourth grade. I think third and fourth grade when we huh. were there. So. Yep, uh, Overland Park, Kansas, a pretty pretty town. That's awesome, man. Right outside of Kansas City. Oh, way cool. Yep. Sprint and T-Mobile went together, huh? Mm-hmm. Did yep, sure did. That is, like I said, that is a uh, a neat town, man. It's right on the outskirts of, of Kansas City. Uh, you can get into Kansas like <clears throat> like Conroe is to Houston, man. I mean, it's it's just outside the suburbs, right? So, awesome. um. Yeah, well, you did yeah Kansas in Kansas in the house. We'll close it out with this next city right here, Joe, located located in the southern Arizona area near New Mexico's border, and was settled by Mormon settlers in 1879, and was originally named Smithville after Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon Church. This area is one of the oldest continuously inhabited areas in you in the U.S. and named for the Pima, uh, the North American Indians that lived along the Gila and Salt Rivers of Arizona in none other than Pima, Arizona. Pima, so, Arizona. Yes, sir. Do you know anything about Pima? I, I don't either. Never been mm-hmm. down that far down there. Mm-hmm. Anybody been to Pima? No, sir. I've never been to Pima, Arizona. Yeah, well. I've been around the Gila, but I've never been to Pima. Sounds yeah. like a cool city, though. I like the name, Pima. Yeah. Yeah, I sure like it. Well, and... Uh, the Pima Native Americans, man, their descendants were in that area for thousands of years. So a lot of lot of history with those people. All right, y'all, let's let's move on, man. Let's uh let's get into tonight's topic. This is where everybody came to hear. And our topic is finding elk from day one of the hunt. And you know, Gilbert, I think we tell people this all the time as coaches. What's a person without a plan, man? Yeah, I mean you gotta wish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without without set making up without setting goals and then having a plan, then you just gotta wish, you know. I mean, for sure. Uh it's definitely something that you gotta uh you gotta make a plan. Right, wrong, or indifferent. You gotta make a plan and then try to execute off of that, right? We always say yeah. first of all, the plan is a person lost, right? So yeah. Absolutely. So what what we want our listeners to know is that we're going to give you our exact processes, our steps, what we use to locate or find uh, or have an encounter with elk on a hunt during this series. But y'all, before we get there, we're going to make sure that you understand exactly why we do what we do. You know, that whole give a person a fish or teach a person to fish thing. Yeah. 
Right. So we're not here just to, it's not that we want to tell you steps that you don't understand. We want you to understand the reasons behind it, because that's going to be critical to everybody out there being able to, in their situation, no matter how dynamic, to be able to look at it and to process it and to make decisions that are going to help them to find out. Right. So, um, look, there's two ways that you can have an elk encounter. And, and this is, I really want you to hear this. Look, you can wait until it happens because of the elk's behaviors, or you can make it happen because of the elk's behaviors. Mm-hmm. You, you, you follow me on that, right? 100%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for consistent, successful elk hunting, for you guys to be consistently successful, because we've said, and I, everybody said any hog can find an acorn, right? Sure, so, blind ones, yep. You can do everything wrong and end up finding an elk and kill an elk. But yeah. to be consistently successful, you have to know how to increase your odds. And you increase your odds by increasing opportunities. Increased opportunities is what creates encounters, right? Yeah. So the big question is what? Well, how do you increase the opportunities? How do you g- how increase do you do your that? consistency? Yeah. yeah, where do you start? Do you start? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I want you guys to actually remember that question and I want you to keep asking that throughout. Anytime we get to a point where it's like, well, so how do you do that or better yet, where do you start? We got to remember that's exactly what everybody listening to us tonight and you guys that are in camp with us because that's, hey, we're all circled up. Our season camp tonight, man. So, you know, when there's something that does not make sense like that, we have to remember to ask that question for our viewers out there. All right. And you know, somebody pumped you up the other night, Luis, and I think I got something on Chav that said, you know, you guys always do such a great job of redirecting and asking those questions that they're wanting to hear. So you've got to be that voice out there when we get going too too fast, all right? And uh, all of us are going to jump on. So I, I want you to remember that question. But before before we just go into where do we start, what I want to do is I want to do something else to get this whole thing started. And the reason I want to do it this way is because even though a lot of you guys out there, you don't hunt elk, I think a lot of our listeners fish, mm-hmm. right? If you don't fish, go get you a fishing license, take your kid fishing, at least. Come on. I would. I would if Beto would invite me. <laughs> no, I, so, you know, I don't. <laughs> so we're, yeah, I'm right, horrible, I'm horrible I, with that. I'm going to take that 90-10 thing to fishing because uh like catching a big bass look when it comes to catching a big bass man i'm in that 90 percent group (laughs) because i I, i'm that dude that uh gilbert whenever gilbert goes out in the boat he sees some people lined up on the shore you know so (laughs) i i've always fished the way i think a lot of people elk hunt man honest to god you know because as a kid i knew you get a worm you put a worm on a hook because that's what everybody else did. You got, you got a worm, put it on a hook, put a little weight underneath the bobber, go to the side, cast it out in the lake, cast it out in the creek, cast it out in the river, and you wait. Right. Yeah. And you wait until a fish comes by, decides to bite that thing. And, I mean, you can go through breakfast. You can go through lunch. 
Kitchen nap. All that. You get bored, so you lose focus. You start Drinking going rocks cold in the creek. You know all yeah. of that stuff. So, so I'm in that ninety percent group that never catch a big bass. And I watch. I get Gilbert and his son <laughs> sending photographs. These guys are sending photographs. These and I think they hold it closer to the camera. Yeah, they do. They do. That's part of it, man. That's part. Yeah. Look how big. Look how big this phone is, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But they, but I'm like, holy Toledo, I mean, they're killing it with the bass, right? And, yeah. and so I really think this really corresponds to a lot of things. So, Gilbert, you do a lot of professional fishing. Yeah, right? I did, yeah. And now it's just passing all that knowledge on to my son and teaching him awesome. and stuff and, like and, that. And so. I think he's already gone past pops, right? But mm-hmm. it's, He's, he's going to, for sure, um, <laughs> you know. Fishing's a lot like elk hunting. And this is a perfect analogy for me to segue into it, Joe, because I'm that guy who's going to get out in a boat and go find fish, right? Yep. Uh, first, the thing that we got to understand is what the fish are doing, right? What well, time of year? Let, let, I'm sorry, bro. Can I get you to hold that shot? Because I'm going to I'm going to lead you through this a little bit. I'm okay. I'm gonna, I'm going to put you on the the stand, and and I'm sure. going to be the prosecutor. You're you gotcha. ready for this, yes, right? Sir. Okay. Yes, counselor. You guys, I'm going to do Manana's part right here. I'm going to be the yeah. counselor, right? Okay. Esto. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some language, Beto. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you're going to have to get the woohoo button ready. Oh, my goodness. All right. So it, when you go to fish a new lake, just like, look, there's, yeah. I, I'm sure you go to lakes you've never been to did before, it the right? past month it's yeah. it's huge right yeah so when you go to that lake do you just go throw a line in no sir i mean anywhere right i mean anybody can put a worm on a hook pull up a chair and throw the bobber in and wait anybody right? can do that yes sir. Is, is, is that what you do no all right no, what do you do bro so first before we ever left the house we did a whole bunch of e-scouting you know are you serious um, you, you actually e-scout a lake before you go absolutely right? man Gotta gotta look for the creek channels. This time of year that we're in, okay, it's, it's the it's the spring, and the bass are all looking to spawn. So they're going to go to the they're coming out of the backs of the creeks onto the spawning flats to to spawn. All the northern north facing banks are going to warm up faster in the mornings. So these pockets that are north facing are going to get warmer quicker. So that's where you're going to go look. Right, just like if you're elk hunting, you're gonna look where feeding water's at. Right, same well, thing that you seems going like to. time of the year also. One hundred percent has a, a, a big factor as well. Pa- we call it pattern fishing, right? Uh-huh. So we got to figure out what pattern or what time of year. Okay, all right, all right. Now, no, no, I asked you one question. You answered. Gotcha. Don't be jumping yeah. ahead on me there, sir. I'm, try- I'm trying and, not and, to, Joe. And, I'm trying. Have you be the judge, man? I think uh, you can't can't let him go off on me like that. All right. Okay, so <laughs> can I, I guess the the thing I, I want to find out though is, bro, can East you go and even after you did, let's say, let's say you didn't even east out a lake, right? Can you go to a lake and look at it and have an idea of where fish would be? For sure, yes. I, so you know what areas look fishy, right? Yeah. <laughs> this looks a little fishy. All right. <laughs> 
and and go to Venezuela, man. That that every corner. that that statement's a little fishy, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, what I want to ask you is, what are the focus areas and why, bud? Time of year, okay. Now, uh, right, I, I mean focus areas that like on, on the lake. lake, not on not the, not North physical face, like north yeah. facing pockets uh-huh. next to creek channels. Okay. Anything else? Anything else you're looking for in the water when you're going or points? All right. Points that come out, right? Grass that's growing up for the fish to get in. Fish like hydrilla and other types of grass. Uh, any type of lily pad stems. Old lily pad stems mean that there's a sandy bottom and bass like to spawn on sandy bottoms. So if you find old lily pad stems, the bass are going to set up in those areas mm-hmm. where they got a sandier bottom. They love grass and uh, they like that they need some a little bit of shade, but not a lot. They got to have sunlight to make their eggs hatch and everything. Oh. So uh, it's north facing pockets that warm up faster, creeks that come by with points where they're going to stage first right they'll stage out on those little deeper edges of the points and then push into the back of those pockets and that's where they're going to that's where they're going to spawn and that's in any lake in the country during the spawn when the water temperature gets from about 58 degrees to 65 degrees that's what the fish are going to do so so that's next question man does the time of year or type of fish matter yes i mean you, we're talking bass right now, but is, yes. is that the same for? Same for crappie. Crappie are going to do the same thing. They're going to kind of spawn a lot at the same time. Right. Now, brims further later on in the year, you got to get more water temperature for the brim to move up on the bank. Okay, so let's stick with the bass time of year. So you said springtime. What about summer? What about fall? What about cold? Yes, yeah, so as soon as the bass are done spawning and, and hatching, uh, they're fry, they'll pull off the banks and the water's temperature is going to start getting higher. So they got to get lower in the water column to keep oxygen. The f- biggest thing is water temperature and then bait. They're going to follow the bait. They are slaves to their bellies, just like mm. elk are. Okay. Mm. Uh, and they are going to follow the bait. They're going to follow shad and brim. You're going to always have bass are going to live shallow. They're always going to have some shallow fish, but they are a school type fish. So if you look offshore, you will find, if you find big schools of shad, you will find big schools of bass on them too. And our electronics have gotten so much better that it's easier to find those, those big schools of fish. But I am a power fisherman, just like Joe is a power elk hunter. I'm a power fisherman. So I like to fish for shallow fish the rest of of the summer it doesn't matter i'm gonna fish for those big fish you like to feed on brim and stay in the lily pad stems and blah 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 but yes that and how uh, many people how many people you see out there just throwing a line in the lake and sitting and waiting a lot i mean they've lined the bank i mean they can't get in a boat and do anything else and even some people in a boat they don't understand you know they just they don't have the knowledge uh to to know what to do you know so they hire a lot of them hire guides and you know, stuff like that to go okay. have have a good day with their families. So and Okay. And I guided for quite a while. Okay, witness. I, we don't need, you know, yeah. we, we understand that you're next. Yeah. We're going to have to go back on there. Your Honor, could you ask the witness to please refrain? You know? <laughs> <laughs> will allow me to retort. <laughs> tell you, man, this is feeling more and more like a dictatorship over here. Right? <laughs> well, I tell you what, you know what, the, our listeners, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know if they can get enough this year, but we might have one or two people go out and catch a bass when we're done with this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get way off in the weeds with the getaway scientists. It's pretty cool, Beto. I've never heard you talk about fishing like that before, yeah. and it's enlightening, well, it's, brother. It's the same thing with this same thing with elk hunting, though, fellas. And, and we're going to get there. Yeah. No, if the witness would just please refrain. <laughs> there. Uh, so, what would you say uh, are a fish's have tos things that they need that they want that they rely on behavior behaviorally that you can take advantage of they have to spawn that is they have to reproduce mm-hmm. just like elk have to rut right they have to reproduce so you know when the water temperature reaches 58 degrees and you get a good full moon, you know, and start looking for them to be on the bank. They're going to get in real shallow water and you can see them and you can sight fish for them. Uh, super fun to do that. Uh, that's one of my favorite ways to catch them, especially big ones. Um, okay. And uh, so, right. yeah, I mean, it's, it's more like bass hunting than it is bass fishing. Absolutely, man. Uh, I, I think you guys are kind of seeing where I'm going with this, right? But, and, and I really think, the analogy I'm trying to put this for these people out there is we're going to take this a step further here in a minute. So if you just bear with me, and I want to ask you this because it's so, I mean, it's so much like it, man. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. I mean, we look at the woods like we look at a big old lake. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Out out there. So what, what we're going to try to do is uh, we're going to take this a little further. Like for example, Gilbert, after, once you fish the lake and you do that, are the fish generally found in the same areas or the same type of areas that you found them in that lake before? Or is that dependent on time of year or uh, on each time of year? Are they kind of in those same areas? It depends on a couple things, Joe, just uh-huh. like for the elk. Okay. It depends on if there's food in the area and if there's shelter in the area, right? Meaning grass, meaning those lily pad stems, and it means food shad brim uh those kinds of things right so if you have all of those things yes uh they will be in those and you know uh rc knox and and yourself have hunted many years in a lot of those places so you know y'all y'all can hunt some history you know when you have the right things when you have the oak brush that's got the, the the acorns on it or when you got dry years and no water and stuff like that. it's the same yep. thing and, so, yes and, and there yes. are things that can change that man so oh my gosh absolutely yeah high water conditions uh uh-huh. you know hard cold temperatures rolling in or back them off you know i mean there's lots of variables it is so much like elk hunting you know when i read this when we started out when i read this uh driving home um the today i was like man this is right in my wheelhouse you know so yeah and, and if i don't get too deep off in it you know I'm, I'm trying not to but yeah i mean and and you know what joe it has made me go ding, even elk hunting right because when i when i relate this to elk hunting man this has gotten a whole lot simpler you know absolutely and that, that, I, that's that's one of the things that hopefully is the goal here in fact, I think there's some things, even turkey hunters, there's a lot of things that yeah, things people yeah. can, can uh, put this type, mm-hmm. you know, type together. So I, let me ask you this. When is a big bass the easiest to catch and why? This time of year during the spawn because they're up shallow and they're with a female. 
the females are the big ones, okay? So unlike, you know, the elk we hunt, uh, males are bigger, but the female bass are the bigger ones. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Males are generally half the size of the female. Wow. Uh, at Lake Fork, you can get some five, six pound females, but generally uh, a, a 10 pound largemouth will be with a five pound male. I'll be done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the best lure that you use works every time, right? I mean, there's a silver bullet that, I mean, Gilbert has that in his, in his, tackle box and he goes out and it's going to catch a big bass every day on time well uh yes but each fish has its own tendencies just like a bull does right <laughs> uh each each fish has its own tendencies and when we cast that lure in there in its nest and we hop it up in its face and it doesn't react right it's just like when we're calling if it doesn't react well then we got to change something Right, so it may be the lure type. It could be the rate of fall. It could but be the, would the time of the year. The time of the year uh, influence the type of lure you would use. Uh, not during the spawn. I mean, we, we're no, talking but, about the spawn because that's. Yeah, the, but what if you're not the during the spawn? Yeah. Well, then it's a lot harder to catch a big bass, you know, because they're not going to be as easy to access. So would you use the same lure, lure even though? No, sir, because they won't be up on the bank. And see, that's the question. They'll I be deeper. I, that's the question I'm asking. If you had one lure that was your hot lure for catching bass, is that going to work year round? No. No, it's not. No. Right? No. I, 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 you know, I, I want to thank the witness for, <laughs> for, for, for answering these questions. Uh, uh, we will not put you in contempt. <laughs> All right. I, and, and that's a lot of fun, but there's a whole lot of reason to that. Yeah. You no. Know? And, it's like, how does this convert to finding elk? And that's what I wanted to do is I just wanted people out there that I think a lot of people have a lot more answers than, than they know on, mm -hmm. on stuff like this. So, um, so how do you do that? Where do you start is the question. So I think you have to ask yourself these questions. Look, I, it doesn't matter if you look at mountains, if it's mesas, rolling hills, choke forests, west coast. I don't care where. There are focus areas that elk go to, and there's reasons why. And there's areas that are features or that attract elk or certain things that we look for mm -hmm. right because i mean well if if you're a hunter out there y'all that are listening and you go to a high point and you take out your binos and you're looking down at some open meadows why are you looking down in those open meadows is it because it's the easiest thing to do is it because um it's open and you're not sure where you should be looking and all the other thick trees are there and you're hoping an elk comes out uh or are there reasons that you're looking at those what are focuses in the area that might be bringing elk into that so when we were talking about focus areas with gilbert on fish and he talked about those things well there's absolute focus areas mm -hmm. Big so time. Um, <laughs> huge think, think yeah. about some of the places that we go to look for elk yeah right yeah Bam. yeah i mean we, we're gonna we're gonna start off in the high 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 traffic areas that we know that they go to from bedding area to feeding area to watering stuff like that i mean we're gonna start out in those areas because 
that's where they got to be. You know, that's where they're going to be. They're going to. Are there visual signs of fish being in certain areas? Absolutely, they will come up and blow up on bait, or they'll they'll make the water boil when they run off a perch that's around their bed. I mean, absolute vis visual signs. You know, just so, like there's visual signs in the elk woods. If I, if I'm going into the mountains, then what kind of things? What kind of features? Uh, like you talked about grasses there, you talked about yeah. points, you talked about where creeks come in. Actually, dude, there you are, I mean, a lot of those same sayings. Yes, sir. A lot yes, of those sir. same sayings. I mean, that that creek that you're talking about, well, Carries number water. one, you know, where that flow is, right? There. Right, yeah. When you look down in that valley that you're talking about, you're looking to see if there's any water down there. Yes, right. I mean, not necessarily looking for elk, and, and if there is one, that's, that's awesome. He's down there either drinking or eating. Right. Yeah. You if know, you're there so at the right time of day, right? At the right, right time of day, uh -huh. exactly. Yeah. But it gives you an idea that, hey, there's water down there. So They, they got to they eat and they got to drink. So the, the open area is going to show that there's grass because it's open, right? Right. It's got to have sun. Right. In fact, um, I think Keith Despacito, shout out to Keith out there. He sent me a thing today and he was talking about is, is it good to go into downfall areas? Like I guess in Colorado, they got a lot of this downfall that's going down. I don't know if it's beetle kill or what. And he's like, you know, is that an area where you can find elk in there? And one of the responses I had to him is I know beetle kill areas can be good if it's open enough that they're getting a lot of grass in there. Right. If, if there's no grass, then especially if they burn it. Yeah. Yeah, there's not going to be elk. But when I look down into that valley, there's a couple other things I want to look for, right? So I want to see, is there any dark timber in, around the area? Or aspens. I, I want to look and see, is there a saddle coming off that ridge that leads down into that valley? Or is there some kind of travel corridor or a natural funnel that comes from, and you can see, yeah, I can even imagine it in my head when I look in and I see two sides or two ridges coming together and there's a bowl yeah. back there with dark timber and it funnels down with an open park down at the bottom of it with some kind of creek coming through. Oh, Bedding area. <laughs> yeah. I, you can see the pillows and the pink blankets. Yeah, well, <laughs> that is a straight travel corridor in Elk Highway. Absolutely, man. It's the same way when you're fishing. That creek channel runs those. It's they use it just like a highway, like a trail. The fish use it to move up and down in the water column around its natural habitat. And the elk do the same thing. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, uh, finger ridges. When you yeah. look at how those finger ridges come down. Now, there's something that I, that I never, I always wanted to tell people, and I never thought about how doing it, but I call it, I call it the ridge knuckles. In other words, if, if I had, if I had ridges coming down out of a mountain like this, mm -hmm. and you've got the lower areas on the inside, I can tell you, man, the area that elk like to travel is when they get up on those finger ridges and they go up, they like to travel right here yeah, uh, across on, the top on the those top, top of those knuckles, mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. at the head of those ridges. Because yeah. in those areas, number one, you have a lot of these bowl features that are in there that are really, really great for thermals inside. Yeah. That, right? And also, the also there is less change in elevation. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's easier. And, it's more effective to travel up there than it is down at the bottom of the, of the drainage. Bingo, man, because it's so much closer. Everything's so much closer. If there's other elk 
think about this. If there's other elk moving up other finger ridges, where are you going to find them and where are you going to hear them and where are you going to smell is up in those knuckle areas right there, man. It's those areas before they top out and they will actually, and, and look, if you are, if you're trying to find elk, you get up on that finger ridge and you hit those knuckles where it's just right at the top. It's not where you have to drop down. Right and come back up right mm -hmm. up at the top of those inside that knuckle right there where you can kind of stay in that same elevation and go at the top of all those ridges i guarantee you you will start hitting elk trails oh yeah bunches of them and mm -hmm. you get on those and and if you want to find elk look how do you know where to find people in their home you know well people use a hallway they're going to go from the kitchen to the bedroom in a hallway, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's just the same thing with an elk trail, man. If you locate elk trails, get on it, travel on it. You can tell the ones that are being used, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's been used right now or been used throughout a lot. They'll mm -hmm. take you to bedding areas. They'll take you from bedding areas to feed areas. They'll take I you did from- the exact same thing when spotting, stalking hogs. Yeah. The yeah. exact same thing. Yeah, exactly, man. You find you find sign and and you can find older trails, newer trails, active trails, inactive trails, and sign and 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 it will it will just tell you and it will guide you to them. As a matter of fact, uh, I've been with Rafa a couple of times out on the public land, and I'm I'm I stopped and I said, Rafa, get in front because we're gonna we're gonna jump into into hogs here shortly and it wasn't 10 minutes and he shot a hog and killed it i mean it just the sign will tell you the woods will tell you just like you're saying and if i'm in a feed area whether mm. it's a park um whether it's a, a a little clearing at the bottom that's coming out of some of these other areas that they're going into i guarantee you, you'll find a solid trail going into that and if you follow that trail out of there and start working that trail you will and and look don't worry about i don't know how to tell you this it's not like okay am i trying to bugle up a bull you're trying to figure out how the animals are moving you're trying to figure out where they're going from feed to bed you know once you start discovering that now you found their corridor you found their transition area and let me tell you about transition areas all right so if, if we have a moonlit night and you've guided for a number of years, RC, if we have a moonlit night and most guys are waiting in a park at, at the end of the day, um, it's probably, you're not going to see an elk till when? Oh, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They done left. You're going to fall asleep before the elk come in. Yeah. Because, I mean, know, it, they're, it, because they're, they have the moon, so they're going yeah, you know, to, they're either mm -hmm. going to be in that last 10 minutes, last five minutes, right? Okay. So why are, I tell people, why are you waiting at their destination when you can get in the areas and those corridors, those transitions where they travel from one to the other? Mm -hmm. That's where you want to be. And let me give you a hint here. The transition is best time to hunt is not necessarily in the morning. Because in the morning, when they come out of feed and they're going to bed, they're headed to a destination. They're, they're going. going. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're going. going. Right. But it's different in the afternoon because in the afternoon, they do a lazy feed staying mm -hmm. in the trees mm -hmm. until they get down to it. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's your best time to catch them in those corridors and transition areas. Mm-hmm. Now, what's great about the speed in the morning is that if you're able to parallel them puppies, and listen to what I'm saying here, is you don't want to follow behind elk. You want to get on their downwind, that, you know, right you want to get on that same level as much as possible as much as possible and follow them up so that you can put them to bed now you have them there for six to eight hours right now you can make a move on them but in the afternoon you're going to be able to catch them in that transition Mm -hmm. and when it's the right hour if you don't have a moon it's going to happen quick Mm -hmm. i mean it's just like all of a sudden they just throw their heads up and here they come you know so Mm -hmm. it's like you have to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. So, yeah, and it's all about, like RC said, being in the right place at the right time is about doing your homework early, you know, and understanding why they're going to be there and where they're going to be there. Where you're going, yeah. And going to those places where you find the sign, man. Exactly. So yeah. if, you know, RC used to tell me all the time, now this is the, this is the difference between a guy that's got a chance to be raised on private property, and a guy that hunts state property is RC would, if a, if a group of elk went up inside the trees and they went up to go to bed, leave them alone, leave them alone. <laughs> yeah. them, leave them alone. They're, they're coming right back to the same place. They went in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If they're not Don't moving, them out of there, yeah. they're going to come right back out, maybe a hundred <laughs> yards, 200 yards, one way or the other i got news for you they'll do that even on public because that's how that's how we got um uh steve samuels to get his elk last year we knew where they were going in going out and we just waited till they came out it was about 100 200 yards further but Mm -hmm. came out in the same area Mm -hmm. you know a lesson i learned from rc but if if they are being boogered that's why usually with the bow hunt we're a little bit more aggressive going into those areas and going up to where they're bedding them and calling them out of their bed because a lot of times that public land you know, it's a little bit different because we're hunting them in the trees. We're not rifle hunting them when they're coming out. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if you're rifle hunting, there's a lesson for you right there. You okay. bet. You but bet. Th- that's the thing that, I, that I'm trying to get people to understand is, is when you go and you look at an area, when you start going into an area, there are features just like there are on a lake, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I went to Washington State. And my wife and I were driving to Mount St. Helens up there on this windy old road. We got about halfway up up there. And we stopped, and she's looking at the volcano and everything. (laughs) And I'm going, oh, there it is. (laughs) And she's like, what? And it's like, there's a group of elk right down there by the river, (laughs) you know. (laughs) She's she's looking at the volcano, and I'm looking for elk, right? And I found those boogers exactly because of the features that were down there i knew exactly. where to look mm-hmm. you know in, in the afternoon so uh that's something so all right so here's here's the next thing does the time of year a type of elk matter or the size of elk so does the time of year matter as to where you're going to find let's say and and now we said type of elk right mm-hmm so th- this is a big question you got to ask yourself too, guys, is, all right, what are you hunting? Are you hunting a cow elk? Are you hunting a spike elk? Because there's, we got a lot of our listeners out here, they're going to be hunting with a cow tag, right? We got a lot of our mm-hmm. listeners that in Utah, they can only hunt spike in some places over there, right? Mm-hmm. 
are you hunting any elk or are you hunting a, a, a mature bull? So does time of year or type of elk matter as to how you're finding elk or the size of an elk? Does, does it matter? Sure. Yes. How does, how does the time of year? Well, I mean, in the, in the early season, right. Um, when you really looking for cows, if you want to find bulls, right. So in the early part of the year, that's what we're looking for. You know, we're looking to find the cows because when those cows come in estrus, guess who's going to be with them and the bigger bulls are going to be, be there as well. So, I mean, it just depends, Joe, if you're hunting cows or you're hunting bulls, but both the same. If you're hunting cows, you got to find them, right? right, right. And, and in the and during the rut, that's where the bulls are going to start showing up. Hey, now, you said early season. So, you know, I always say that we have early season, right? Yeah. Then we have rut staging. Then we have rut. Yeah. Okay, so in early season is actually even before that rut staging. Yeah, the uh, bulls are kind of bachelor up right. still right. You know, in the pre-rut. But uh, they're still responding to cows, so, you know, kind of hanging around the, the same general area. Yep. Yeah. So it, it, it does make a difference, you know. And then, of course, the, the rut, you know, just pretty much listen. <laughs> yeah, because listen when, you're, when, you, when you're talking pre-rut, those guys that are bachelored up, now you think in early season, they're still separated from the cows other than the spikes and see, so this is, this is where the story comes in right here. Cause those spikes are still with aunt grandma and, yeah. and, and ma, right? And they're dumb as a bag of hammers. And, and, and they're still with the herd, <laughs> but, but the, those bulls, they, they don't want nothing to do. <laughs> you got RC going. Cause but people don't understand. We've all been into elk camp together. And a lot of these expressions are, our expressions used at elk camp. That, yeah, buddy. That's a gamageism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, but when we're talking that pre-rut, those bulls that bachelored up, they really don't, they're not really, they don't care about them cows at that point. Mm. They ain't got no, nothing. No, you're right. Right? So. But let one of them come in heat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Early. That's and it, it, the whole daggum mountain will light up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've you we've know. seen that. Yeah, so that, that's the thing though that I that I want people to understand is is when you're trying to find out, you know, the groups that you're looking for, um, the time of year, the type of elk that you're trying to get for matters. Now, once you get into that rut staging period, right in there, absolutely, right? Yeah. C cows are the key. For sure. You start finding that because, you know. Well, We've got elk that are moving, looking, starting to move in. Now it's going to be those younger bulls, those bigger ones are hanging off. But again, like you said, at that time, they're still susceptible. So it's the same thing with your bass, man. You know, the, the best time, you said the best time to catch a bass, but the best time to kill a bull elk is when? During the rut. During the rut, yeah. right? Best time to kill a bull elk. And, I, and I'll give you one other time. What, what other time do you, I mean, if we're not talking bow, what do you think would be the other best time of year to kill a big bull elk? Oh, in December. Absolutely. Why is that? Because they've already split off from the herd and they're find a track and track him down. Yeah, 
and man, they're in recovery mode big time. Mm -hmm. eat, 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 eat. Yeah, that's why in New Mexico you don't find any hunts now in December, man. Mm -hmm. uh, and that hunt <laughs> on private places. Yeah. That's that's your best time to get a big bull. Hard to find any hunt in New Mexico right now, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> by God. Yeah. And then by then they've lost a, a lot of weight, right? Oh yeah. They're starting to put it back on, but yeah, for they're sure. To, because they're trying, trying to survive, to the survive in there. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I guess then, you know, you, you know, in December, you could have some pretty good snowfall, too, to drive them down, you know, so that, that'll give you a little bit of help, too, huh, RC? Yeah. I was going to say uh, on your pre-rut that uh, I had the opportunity to, to uh, go on a pre-rut hunt at, uh, in the Bayou, and uh, it was amazing to me that we found lots of big bulls. I mean, we're talking big, big bulls. Yes, sir. And they would not answer the bugle. <clears throat> they would take and they would, we would cow call, and they'd answer the cow call, and you would go, was that a bugle or was that? And all they were was kind of just grunting. Mm -hmm. And they just grunt. And we've probably found five different big bulls that we had to stock on mm -hmm. that laying down. Wow. Laying down. Never got up. Wow. <laughs> so crazy, man. Yeah. They didn't have to, did they? Yeah. What do y'all think that was? Just uh well, the testosterone tired. level so tired. They're they're no, they're not tired yet. No, no they're, they're they're just, just they're, they're waiting. waiting actually, they're waiting. Man. They're waiting. Not saving energy. Absolutely, man. Concerned. Those big bulls, it ain't their first rodeo. And no. they know that, you know, there's nothing else even close to signifying when you hear a cow call that there's a hot cow. It's mm. just, I mean, they're herd animals, and they don't want to be with the herd mm. right now. They want to be with the boys. Mm -hmm. And they don't care if there's any cows in the area. That's natural for there to be cows. Mm. Well, y'all have a good time. Go to Walmart. We'll sit here. and We'll watch yeah. the football game. All right, so it's it's really as soon as them pretty gals start smelling right, it's on there like a pot of neck bones. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but there's got to be something that signifies that happened. Now, had they started hearing multiple bulls screaming and, mm -hmm. and some different things happening in a scenario, you might have got one bull to come over there. It might have been a different story, but and they are doing some pecking order stuff between each other at that time mm -hmm. uh some raking might even work at that time but mm -hmm. it's it there are saving that energy energy up. it really is really is i mean really spot and stock is your best bet oh yeah on, on those yeah. boogers at that time yeah so so just like i said with with talking about the the bass before what are the elks have to's things they need that they want that they rely on behaviorally that you and we as hunters can take advantage of yeah i mean they gotta eat gotta, they gotta eat. drink and they gotta breed you know yep. i mean those are the three basic things and you know that they're herd animals you know um and then they communicate verbally you know with that you know with action and they recognize other elk you know that's what they're looking for they're looking for other elk bulls are looking for other bulls and then they look looking listening for them cows to come and eat i'm you know harking back several times joe you and i've hunted and we've got a bull coming on a string and he hears another bugle and he just turns and leaves and we're like man dude 
we we just we had him you know what is going on here but here's a bunch of other bulls up up above us and he just turns and goes towards them it's like them dad gum bulls you know uh, you have a nickname for them bulls yeah we do but i can't say it because off, it's language. straight off of un, unleashed so yeah. i mean <laughs> I, I thought rc was fixing to bust a gut right there because he knew i was fixing to say so uh at the end of the day yeah carl gamage had a real good good word for them bulls uh but uh, yeah i mean it, it just you know it throw you a curveball from time to time uh I, I hearken back to one time R.C. Knox and I were hunting together. It's a really cool story. And uh, bless his heart, he he took good care of me because I'm telling you, as many bulls as he put in front of me and I passed on, I, I thought he was going to choke me I, out when we got no, back. No, I, you know, I, look, I'm up. I got him right here. Yeah. And I'm really upset with you, man, for enabling that dude to do that that whole time. <laughs> dude, he wanted to beat me over the head, I promise you. You let that, you let that young dude get away with that all that time, and, and then I had to deal with it. <laughs> so, so, you know, we were up in the – we were up on one of those – we were up on one of those fingers, Joe, that uh -huh. kind of looks like this, and we're way up here in the top of it where we were just going to cut across, right? Well, we're sitting there, and we had not seen or heard a bull elk or cow elk in a long time. And he looked at me, and he's like, man, you know, there is nothing going on. And I mean nothing. So he gets his bugle tube out, man. He just rips off his nasty bugle, man. It was awesome. And I mean, it ain't five seconds, and the woods just freaking erupts with elk above us, man. Here they come. I sound like I heard a buffalo coming off the dadgum mountain. He looks at me and he goes, man, are you ready? I'm like, oh, my God, I hope we don't get run over by all these dadgum elk, dude. And this huge bull, I'm talking a giant bull, walks out and just in... I, I didn't have the wherewithal to move my body at the time to move into a shot, uh, a shot uh, window. All I need to do is take three steps, you know, or a step and a half right, and I got a window to shoot. He's standing with a big bush that's in the kill, and I need him to take a foot, foot and a half step out, and he's 44 yards. I'm going to smoke him, you know, and all I need to do is take one step when I'm drawn. And, but I was so young in the process, and this bull's staring at me and RC like a calf looking at a new gate. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I mean a big giant bull, man. So RC's looking at me, he's like, man, any second this is fixing to go, right? Well, no, the gust, gust from the gods on the thermals hit him, and they all shot back up the mountain. And um, <laughs> this little raghorn bull comes rolling up on us, man. And I mean, he walks in there at 12 yards, and RC goes, like man what <laughs> you're gonna so i drew i drew man and rc's like this this is it this is it it's gonna happen right here i just drew on him and i held that red pen on him like that and i went nah <laughs> like that man i thought the guy was gonna hyperventilate on me man he's like oh what is going on here uh but just to tell you there was absolutely nothing going on and rc is if you've hunted with him, you know he's he's passive aggressive, okay? And and I mean that in the best sense of the word. I got so much knowledge from hunting with him and hunting with Joe and hunting with Carl uh, and hunting with Chav. I mean, but RC just doesn't call, he doesn't bugle a whole lot, man. He uses, he's really good with cow calls and stuff like that. But... Mm -hmm.
Grinders tuning in, thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And base camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing in achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. If R.C. sees an elk, that elk's in dire trouble. I can tell you that because he's like, talk about an elk ninja. That's straight up R.C. Knox. He's going to get in there in their hip pocket. Oh, now we got two ninjas in the world. Yeah, I mean, straight up. I mean, one's like. <laughs> kinds of martial arts going on. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely is lethal if you get him, get him in sight, right? So, uh he just didn't call a whole lot. And when he ripped that off, it was like Katie bar the door, but there was nothing going on, you know? So he just decided, well, I'm going to make my own fun here and sound like, like my own party. And I'm telling you again, it was early season. Bulls weren't talking a whole lot. It was warm. Uh, and, uh, that happened. Right. So it just goes to show you when one thing ain't working, you just got to keep, it's like fishing. One bait ain't working. You got to keep trying different bait, you know, uh, even though it's that time of the year and it should be working. Sometimes the elements are just not in your favor and you got to make us some subtle changes. That's the exact point that I'm trying to make, man, is that you have to take advantage of the things that they rely on and their behavior. They have mm-hmm. to RC. Yeah. I mean, managing all that time. What is it that you found that these critters really went to most to eat? They loved the acorns. Mm-hmm. What, know, was that their mainstay? No, they they just they like they were like cattle. They mm-hmm. like to eat the grass and they okay. graze a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, if the grass is too um, 
they like the tender stuff. I mean, if it's too coarse or too big or too tall, they, they so don't like wh- that. So where would, where would they find something that's a little more tender? I mean, what type of areas do you look for to be able to find more tender grass? All in the boggy areas. So, yeah. Areas that, that have I, a little more water table. Yeah, too. right. And that flattens out and spreads out, right? Mm-hmm. So it gets even a little bit of them aspen little forest areas. Exactly. Like yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Burn yeah. areas, maybe. Yeah. Where's that, chap? Burn. Uh, burn areas. Oh yeah, they love that burn stuff because that's all brand new stuff, and they love that tender. Oh yeah. They... All the, and it's nutrients on that. Forbs right? and like tender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a succession of plants that take place in a burn area, so they'll eat stuff that won't be there in a couple of years down the line so yeah it's very nutritious too. yeah they're real assortment. real rich in protein and, and phosphorus that's Good that's stuff. what i'm saying man if you take advantage of that if you can find if you see patches of green grass you know where there's moisture nearby oh my god that mm-hmm. tells you something right there now if it's a wet year and there's green moist everywhere. grass everywhere well, now you gotta you gotta start dealing on a different type thing. Now you gotta start looking. Okay, what's the next thing that I could take advantage of? Because they got good grass, so there's got to be other things that they're looking for at, at that time of year. And now, if it's the rut, if it's um, the cover, if it's their regular travel routes, if you know, you just got to locate that next best thing that you can be able to do because now they're going to be dispersed a little bit more. Uh, they're not going to be as concentrated, but that's something. And the fact that they're herd animals, man, that means that they, they want to talk, they want to communicate. They're going to be verbal, right? They, that's how they communicate. And that's, and as, after we get out of this and we start going into, um, the next part of this series as we go, we're going to talk about how we take advantage of those. Again, we just want you to understand before we get there. And we've talked about some of this, but I'm really trying to be in depth with you guys on this, okay? And look, one thing is too, they have a very, this is what I take advantage of all the time, especially with a nose like this. They have such a distinct smell. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. I mean, smell them from a long way off. Absolutely. Especially it, if you side when, you know, getting, doing what you're supposed to do, using the wind right. When you get them, man, you can almost turn right into the wind and dog them from, you know, depending on what your wind direction is. But yep. I'm telling you, when you smell them strong and like we had this year, Joe, with our snow, right? It was, we cut a track and I mean, you could literally see the perfect cylinders where their droppings would burn a hole through the snow and the yellow snow from where they'd urinate and everything. You'd know how close uh, that you were on their track. It was so cool to do that this year. You even I, saw a reddish pinkish urine there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. Yeah, Cow being in heat. I mean, yeah. Estrus, right? Yeah. 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 And that's how we knew. And, and they were, they were just blowing up at that. And yeah, it's funny. We would have never seen that if it wasn't for the snow. Yeah, oh, yep. I see craziest thing you ever seen in life. I mean, six inches of snow, four to six inches of snow on September the 9th. I mean, unbelievable, brother. Well, you've been in the country a lot longer than I have. I mean, especially up there in the high country up there. Have you guys ever, I mean, how many times has that ever happened? It, not, uh, not necessarily the snow, but I mean, lots of, I mean, 
used to get lots of rain and, and hailstorms. Yeah, yeah, and you'd just stay and stay and stay and yeah. stay, you know. But as far as snow goes, I mean, we had three days of 20 degrees, man. I mean, it, was, <laughs> it turned winter real quick. I, you uh, know, we Venezuelans, Mr. RC, are not genetically built for that kind of weather. So uh, <laughs> for us to have survived, it's uh, quite the accomplishment. They, they live close to the equator, man. Yeah, 10 degrees above it. All what, right. Let, let me ask you, man, about, you know, when you would go out, it's tough. I know it's tough for you because a lot of times when you go places that you know, you already know your favorite haunts. But if you think about that, RC, what were some of the favorite things that you looked for to go find those critters? Well, you know, it, it's like you say, doing your homework, um, knowing where the best feed is. Um, Especially on a dry year, you know, you got to be able to find, you know, if you've been there before and all of a sudden that creek's dry, well, what what's the next best thing? Mm -hmm. So you you just got to, what's the word, think like an elk. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you think they'll travel farther for water or, or do they have to travel farther or will they travel farther for water than they will for their grass and feet? Uh, yes, they will. They'll, they'll feed along the way and try to get as close to that water as they possibly can to the water but that tank or whatever has got the water yeah yeah mm -hmm. how, how far have you seen or do you think elk will go just to get the water from their bedding area oh i've seen them go at least seven to eight miles yeah they do wow. that over that quest area don't they mm -hmm. over there wow. coming off of that hill going all the way down oh the yeah river. it's unbelievable how far they go for that off of that Ute Mountain all the way down to the bottom down there to get water off of the Rio Grande. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they'll they travel and they'll feed along the way. So that, that's a good point to have there uh, to think about that. So, you know, and the reason I asked him that is because one of the questions I asked was once you've hunted an area, are the elk generally found in the same areas, type of areas, depending on time of year? Chav, what would you say? I mean, after all of our experience in some of the places that we hunt, are they in generally the same areas? Yeah, it's like uh, uh, Gilbert mentioned it, you know, the way he phrased it was hunt history. Yeah. You know, everybody's got their favorite areas. You know, I'm sure, you know, when uh, RC guided uh, with Carl over at, uh, in their area, you know, they had, uh, they pinpointed like five places, hot spots. So yeah. that's where they were sending their clients. And uh, in our particular area that, you know, we know pretty well, we, we can set the uh, our uh, plan of attack by going to a specific area because mm -hmm. we know uh, from past history that uh, we'll find the animals there. So yeah, history is real important. And then, like RC uh, just mentioned, if something dries up, for example, uh, then it's going to vary a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it can vary from year to year, but uh, generally, history will will play a big part. But that comes with knowledge which you know gilbert and rc both mentioned you know you, you gotta gotta have knowledge of your prey mm -hmm. and uh you know their habits and stuff so absolutely man. yeah so it makes a, yeah. it makes a difference yeah and, and that, put your time in you know and, I, I had so what, my son i had my we, we fished a brand new lake never been to and I, it had been 30 years before since i've been to it so it might as well be brand new uh and i made logan I taught him how to e-scout and I made Logan find five areas that he wanted to go 
and fish that we knew that were north facing pockets that were different areas of the lake and it was still a grind man it was still tough because we had real cold water conditions horrible weather wind blowing like crazy and we ended up finding some fish because of the amount of area we covered but it's no different than what you're doing in the elk woods you know that lake's twenty-seven thousand acres and we ended up probably fishing 500 of it you know what i mean right so um again it's really about putting the boots on the ground or doing your e-scouting and but putting the boots on the ground smart like you said for sure sure. yeah i mean that way you don't have to scout the entire lake you concentrate just in the areas where you you know you have you know you have more chances so Mm -hmm. let's let's take this the other way so people can understand this Mm -hmm. instead of saying well what are we looking for is there ways to eliminate area oh yeah oh yeah yeah, I, I think I think you can look at country and you can look at it and you can go, man, I know this is not where they're at. Yeah, well, that's the most important part, Joe. When I started fishing professionally, it wasn't about finding fish. It was about finding where they weren't, you know, because they didn't have to worry about that area anymore. You right. know, uh, I would just... I would go, oh, man. So in my practice, I knew where I could go catch fish from years and years of being there, just like you guys know where y'all can go kill elk from years and years and years, right? Uh So for me, it was about going and finding new stuff or marking stuff off that I never had to worry about again on a lake, right? Uh, Other than going and looking for grass, shad, you know, different structures that are there. Same thing with elk hunting, like you said. One area may not have good grass and everything one year, but the next year they had a burn go through there and poof, here you are. Now you've got all this stuff. So you need to be cognizant of all of that, right? Understanding what went on in the area, man. Speak to some landowners. Uh, in, in, uh, it's really important for you guys to do your homework before you ever get your boots on the ground. I would think, I would think Beto that like everything, right? I mean, you, there might be some areas when you're e-scouting that you think, well, there's no way you'll find animals there. But once you put boots on the ground, you might be like, oh, wait a minute. You know, we kind of put this area aside because we didn't think, but it turns out it's just kind of looking different once you're actually in it. Right. So I'm sure that's the case too, um, for, for fishing and, and I I know that's the case for hog, for hogs as well. I've fished some banks that you wouldn't think had any fish on them at all. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. what you didn't know is under the water, there was a big row of of stumps and those fish set up on those stumps Ah. right? So stuff you can't see, you know, same thing with the e-scouting, you won't be able to see down in those canyons and understand that even though it's got a canopy, it's got tons of runoff water that's come from the snow melt and it's depositive, lots of great nutrients down there with lots of new growth grass and whatnot mm. and those elk are really going to focus Makes on sense. That, especially using those corridors right so yeah man i mean there's nothing i, I for me there's nothing like having my boots on the ground and understanding yeah it and, and definitely identifying places before we get there you know i've just been i've been 100 spoiled uh because i've hunted with joe and chav and rc knox and carl gamage for as long as i have and they just have such a a vast knowledge of that country around mm-hmm. there. So it takes a lot of that out of that for us. But look, every year we got to make crucial decisions for our success. 
because it ain't even slam dunk, man. We're fighting Mother Nature and other people and everything else. So, um, and we have to make adjustments on the fly. I mean, just take a look at our last season, how many adjustments we made to get it done. Joe, and I think it goes back to, to what, you know, we had a lot of episodes around the importance of, of knowledge. You know, well, you can have great archers, you can have uh, great equipment, you know, you can have a solid tag and a solid area to hunt in. But, you know, going back to how the podcast started with you need to have a plan, well, you can also have a great plan. But if you don't have a knowledge, that plan ain't worth the crap, you know. And so the knowledge of the animal, the behavior and the area as well, just it it's to me, it's key for you to have that consistency that you're talking about. Well, and I think, I think that's the point that I'm trying to make too, is that, you know, if I'm a person up on a high ridge, I might be looking into a meadow cause it's a meadow and I don't know anything else to do. I'm not looking at it with the knowledge of, okay, is there a saddle going into the, is there a funnel coming down? Do I see, uh, any moisture in the area? Am I seeing green grass in any place? Does it look like it's dried up? D you know, and uh, what is it that is attracting me to think that there could be the chance of an animal going down in there? What does the feed look like? Is there better feed over in the next ridge that's mm -hmm. on the other side of the saddle? You know, uh, oh, you know, I, I think that's what I'm trying to trying to get here is that. Once you have this knowledge factor, you can develop a plan. And when you get to camp, I don't care how big the country is. If you yeah. understand the animal, you understand the features of what attracts these animals. If you understand the focus areas of these animals, that you can go anywhere and get into them and then determine whether or not you have elk in your area. You know, just by hitting the correct places to be, the places that elk go. And I think that's the key is understanding where elk go. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you know that, yeah. then it doesn't it, take long to eliminate stuff. Yeah, well, and my point being is, like, your plan, your plan is only as good as your knowledge, knowledge level. Absolutely. But it doesn't have to be complicated. It's not a complicated knowledge level the fact that they're going to drink they got to eat they're going to bed they're going to breed they're going to travel they're going to use trails they're going to travel on the two-thirds they're going to travel up around the knuckles you know they're going to funnel down into feed they're going to funnel down into water right they're going to walk ridges they're going to go over saddles these are things that if i see two hills coming together and I see a low spot inside there that's got an opening going through that. I'm looking at that puppy because yeah. that's where those critters are going across yeah. because I know this. So it's not that we have to know, okay, what is the degree of that hill on the side? Does it have food and, you know, how much food does that have on that side versus it? No, they're going to use a saddle. They're going yeah. to do that because it's the easiest mode of travel from one place to the other. And, Remember that, that elk don't want to expend energy. They don't want to have to go straight up a hill if they, if they, don't, they can, and they will, oh, yeah. if they need to, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. yeah. But they're going to use specific trails that they use over and over again. 
You know, yeah. we had this one area that we called a shoot, remember? Because yeah. them critters went up and down yeah. that thing yeah. all oh, the time. Okay. Because the, my story was where we, that's exactly where we were. Oh, were you, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly where we were <laughs> in the shoot. <laughs> and how many stories have been made about that area? Because that is the greatest mode of travel. And is, aren't there other areas on the other side for them? Absolutely, there are. Absolutely, there are. But when you commit that, to, when you commit to do that, brother, you you fully vested in. <laughs> tell you that straight well, up. Before an elk, it's easy walking. Oh yeah, but for a fat ass from Texas, it ain't. I promise you, because somebody done sucked all the daggum air from up here down there. Tell it. So I think that, that's what I'm trying. I think Luis makes a great point that your your plan is only as good as your knowledge, and that's the whole yeah. point of this is is I don't want you to overcomplicate it. I want you to understand that there's behaviors that you can focus on. Just like, I, you know what? I bet I can go to a lake now, and I think I could go and find a place that I could go. I don't know what lure to use. I might go back to the worm, and I mean, you know what I mean? Because Never, never a bad idea, Joe. Uh, well, and, and, and <laughs> but that's the next phase of this is, okay, yeah. we've talked about where to find them. But we got to talk about how to create our opportunities, what bait to use, mm -hmm. um, how we're going to go in and create those encounters. When because look, y'all, I can make I, it happen if I only got an invite. What? <laughs> <laughs> Dogging on me, Joe. Oh, okay. Dogging on me. He lost me for a second. <laughs> no, I, I picked up on it real quick. <laughs> I, I hope I didn't lose my train of thought, man. Because there. Oh, but here, and here's what I was going to say is that. Look, there's a difference between locating and finding elk. You know, when, when you're trying to locate, you can kind of locate an area where they at, but then you got to actually find them. Well, okay. you can find them by either you trying to go where they're at, or you can bring them to you. To you. So there's things that we do to create encounters, there's things that we do to create opportunities. And we're going to talk more about that and when we talk more about finding elk in the next part of this series. How's that for a segue, you guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang, Joe. We could just keep right on rolling, man. I mean, look, I'm, you know that's my passion. I love this stuff, and uh, I love fishing, and I love hunting. But, it, you know, the chase is kind of where my deal is. I, I dig, and, you know, calling, calling elk is just it's so cool uh like you know being able to hunt with guys like yourself and chav and rc uh you know helping me learn how to call and everything like that it's changed the game for me as an elk hunter i mean absolutely 100 percent believe that every time i step in the woods we can make it happen uh number one you know we we got some of the best elk hunting coaches in the country that are in camp with us uh, you know, I hunt with some incredible assassins, man. These guys are incredible archers. And, uh, you know, just like I said, this is what we live to do is be able to call bulls in and get in amongst the herd and figure things out, you know, because, I mean, even where we hunt, Joe, it's not uh, it's no, after, look, it's, public it's land, lots of people. Yeah. yeah, you got things to deal with, man. So, you, you know, I harken back you and I when we started out last year. I mean, the first morning we put boots on the ground, you know, left on went on a little bitty hike and got up there and still in the moonlight and everything and joe grabs his bugle tube and it's gonna be the first bugle of the season and i mean dude it's like 
looks like, oh my gosh, well, they're here. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, wow. You know, it was crazy for the first couple of days. And then, like a fart in the wind, they disappeared. <laughs> I mean, I don't know up. about farts in the wind disappearing. I can tell you, Joe's Joe's don't. <laughs> oh, no. He's got a, he got a dude sitting right next to him. He's got a dude sitting right next to him. It's infamous. You hear me? Infamous. Let me tell you what, man, I hold no candle to this dude right here, And you don't want to light a candle around that dude either. Or see, if you're worse than Joe, man, I, oh I don't know about ever wanting Just to. don't give him no right. gravy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine what he would do after Manano's paella, bro. Oh, oh Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord. Maybe he's going to get to find out. Maybe he'll get yeah. to find out. I hope so. It, man, it would do my heart good to have Mr. Knox in camp with us this year. That's for sure, brother. And uh, we'll see what we can make happen. I'll keep We'd love to meet you in, per in person, sir. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Can't wait, sir. And, yep. and there's something, I, Gilbert, that, uh, you know, this is kind of cool for me is that, you know, I'm talking to RC the other day and, and RC started listening to our podcast. And that's cool. You know, and, and now you take this. This is Gilbert. He knows Gilbert 12 years ago. Yeah. Gilbert yeah. that he's hearing right now. Yeah. You know, on, on that. And, you know, you had you had a, a message for. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was, I was just telling Joe, I said, man, Gilbert has come so far. It's unbelievable. I was like, man, you did a good job coaching this guy. Yeah, I, mean, man, I, I appreciate like, that, RC. Just listening to you and knowing what you do know, it's like, wow, that's great, you know? Yeah. And so that's yeah, that's off to you. You did I, a good job. And I, thank, I thank you so much, RC. It means, that means a ton to me because I know, you know, this guy, like I've said this time and time again, this guy's like, you know, elk hunting royalty to me. And just to have any kind of compliment from him is, uh, is amazing. What he doesn't understand is the kind of, the kind of, uh, help he gave me, uh, you know, six, seven years ago to get my life in, in the right frame of mind and help me so much as even like a father figure you know it's been a true blessing to have rc knox in my life and i can't wait to f keep keep going down that path it's so cool to see him sitting there in cimarron new mexico next to my brother joe Gillia. so uh it's it is so cool man uh rc welcome back to elk bros brother uh i, I love you, you brother thank you yeah he, thank he you for the compliments him. yeah he's been you've been one of the the flow and founders of the blood that flows through us all this no time. Doubt. So, and 100%. I, like I said, man, I, I don't, I don't know if you, I mean, the way that dude, man, talks people up, man, he's a tough one to live up to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's WWJGD. Oh, oh, my yeah, all right. Yeah. Let's close this thing up. <laughs> Fellas, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us, and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder, if you like what we're doing here and our listeners would like their questions answered on our show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That is I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, husbands, hug your wives, 
Wives, hug and kiss your husbands. Kiss your babies. Keep your broad heads sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Absolutely. And leading us out, our brother, Tony Wintrip, to close us out in the show. Laters, everybody. Peace. Peace, peace, peace. He had a wood down a deep trawl surrounded by some brush. And every time I'd see the white tips get the Rocky Mountain rush. A constant swing of thermals had him sniffing up the wind. It's the blood and sweat and tears of mine came rolling down my chin. Shots to take, points on top like a garden rig, tracks as big as a Clydesdale on the run. And he talked trash to me while he ran away, and I'll be back to ruin his day when the elk gods come to call on malicious. I saw the blue skies open up, and the temperature start to drop. So I packed up, ready to make my way up on the mountaintop. With a quiver full of six and three blades sharp and ready. My heart was maxed out and all I had to do was hold her steady. Delicious was a man above a man. When he let the thunder roll, you could hear him all across the land. He was painted with a splash of mud. in my hand.